Thanks for joining us today. You know, this is take two. Take one will never be aired. It's Keith the lost episode. Little, <laughs> it is the lost episode. We had what the what the kids call a contretemps. Yeah, you're you're too smart for me, Keith. Sometimes just a <laughs> just a simple caveman. Uh, we had a disagreement. I don't understand how your laws work. <laughs> I don't think we had a disagreement. I just Keith just got on. He just got on a rant, and it was just uh, it was not I, I, not I, safe for work. I warned you. I was a little cranky this morning. Yeah, that's true. Are we uh, better now? Uh, no, you gotta wash but, your I'm still cranky. <laughs> um, oh. But but I think we changed to a little bit different, a little more. Um, it, in theory, it actually is is maybe more esoteric, but it actually has quite a bit to do with our, our clients' assets um, and and holdings. Because one of the things that everybody is kind of looking for in the current world, where uh, and this is a, a technical term, interest rates are bupkis, uh, mm. is is safe assets. Right? Where can we put park some money that you know it's not going to go down a lot and we're going to get some, some return, some good yield. Right. And right now, you know, the standard, the, the safest, the, the safest of safe uh, assets is, you know, a United States treasury bond. And people say, well, what about, you know, my bank account? Uh, and essentially, you know, your FDIC insurance is, is backed by U uh, S bonds generally. Um, and generally whenever, you know, we saw in March, um, there is a a crisis in the market. There is the quote unquote flight to safety, right? Which, which drives, uh, yields for us dollars, us bonds down because everybody wants them. And we also saw the fed, you know, lowered interest rates in an effort to, to stimulate the economy. And it's kind of interesting because last, last week, a, a very young economist, Emmanuel Farhi, um, who wrote a, a paper um, with two other economists, uh, Ricardo Caballero and and Pierre Olivier, Olivier uh, Grinchas, uh, about the the sort of demand for safe assets. And and interestingly enough, um, what he said is that global demand for that the argument was global demand for safe assets has outstripped the supply. And you know uh, the the wor- the worry for someone like Clint right in this is you know. Well, the U.S. is the supplier of safe assets. Does that mean we're just going to run budget deficits and we should just print, you know, as many bonds as we possibly can to supply this glut? And that's and it seems like the answer to that is yes. I mean, I, I don't think we're going to see a lot of uh, austerity here. I don't think that it's on either party's platform to um, reduce deficits. I think we're going to see deficits that are going to be increasingly higher. I think from both platforms. I don't, you know, we definitely have not seen any fiscal responsibility in quotes from the Republicans. And I don't think that we're going to see that from the Democrats either. And I, you know, there's some, some that believe that deficits don't matter. Um, and I don't know whether I'm of that mindset or not, but, um, you know, I would tend to definitely agree with Mr. Farhi there is saying that we are, uh, running out of safe assets, particularly any safe assets that pay meaningful yields. Uh, you know, as you indicated, when interest rates um, end up falling, you know, those bond prices go up um, and those longer dated bonds, the 20 year bonds tend to do very well over that time. And, and they did do very well in March. And, uh, you know, it's it's going to be an interesting environment. If you are a conservative investor right now, what are your safe haven assets? And I think that's one of the reasons why the stock market's gone up is that there's no 
the stock market in an odd way is being looked at as, as a safe haven asset versus some of these other uh, choices. Well, and, and part of it, if, if you just look at dividend yield, um, it, you can get more yield from an S&P 500 you know, index fund in terms of current current yield. I think it's 1.87 or something like Don't that. Don't quote looked, us on that. But. Yeah. I looked the other day. That's not an exact number. Um, and, you know, government bond yields are, are you know, again, uh, technical term bupkis, um, and so you you put your money in the in the stock market, and you're going to get that you know better better yield right now. That money that you can spend, and if you have to float out a while of of seeing you know volatility, then then that's fine. But I, I think what you know is interesting and interesting for us as financial advisors in in Farhi's kind of work, and he died uh, last week, very young, forty one, um, and is that we think of these in a typically in our debates in a, a supply uh, conversation, right? We think about you know should we be running a national debt? Should we you know have too much you know? And and what we've seen over the last forty years is um, in in bond yields we've been in a quote unquote or in bonds a bull market, right? Prices have gone up over the last forty years for bonds, mm-hmm. and that means yields have have generally fallen. And the innovative thing from this is they're looking at it from a demand side, and instead of looking at you know considering should the U- U.S. from a, a fiscal policy perspective, you know, create more debt, should you know do we need more safe assets globally? And you know why is it that we only have one? safe haven right now for investors and that should be a little bit you know worrying from a as the financial system has gotten more and more global um and you know i think that's kind of the the interesting thing you know um and one of the things they talk about uh, he's talked about is how this demand for safe assets has led to you know sometimes investors getting into safe assets that aren't necessarily safe assets or we downplay the risk on certain assets because we're chasing after that that yield right what was an example of a safe asset that isn't safe did uh, he say uh, gold is yeah, that no, one of them or oh, he in spe- uh one of them yeah gold okay. and then the other one uh package subprime loans was the big one oh Going yeah into, that, into that 2008. One. Yeah. yeah yeah you may remember that closet. i do remember yeah. that one um a rated paper that was all garbage but yeah. it, because it was packaged together it was somehow the risk was spread out yeah yeah and you know everybody wanted that yield and you had you know and as well, you have large institutional investors with a mandate for a certain you know set of requirements, right? They were, they have to get X yield, or you know they can only invest in AAA rated assets, and so they ended up, you know, the the slipping these by the the rating boards and so on, and you know it it's maybe more realistic that the num you know that the the actual really safe assets are are smaller um, than we might you know, conceive of. But one of the things that he was thinking about is, you know, and and he said in in his research, you know, if, uh, you know, basically the U.S. tries to supply the world with all the safe assets it's need, you might end up self-defeating, right? Because you get to a point where all of a sudden with all of this debt, you know, people start questioning, can the U.S. pay back its debt, right? That's a, a bigger term problem and so it becomes you know where else can we look for safe assets and you know i think some people have looked at germany the 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 bund as a you know uh safe asset uh you know those sorts of things but 
the question comes up, you know, what are the other major players and why can't they produce safe assets? I think part of it is size too, right? Their budget deficits, as you're kind of indicating, aren't large enough to provide the supply of safe haven assets. I mean, if you think about as a supplier, uh, the U.S. obviously has a lot of debt. They also have a lot of capital and therefore um, they have a lot of supply that they can give to the market that demands it. So who might be somebody that would be able to offer this sort of supply? Well, maybe it's somebody like the European Union. Yep. But then, you know, the problem with the the European Union uh, is they don't tax, right? Mm -hmm. They rely on their member states, you know, and, and so it's a little bit more discombobulated. The other big one would be China. Why is China a problematic issuer from, from our perspectives? Um, it's not very transparent. Mm -hmm. um, they, their currency doesn't float, right, unlike the U.S. dollar. And so if you buy Chinese bonds and China wants to increase the competitiveness of uh, their, you know, their exports to increase their economy, they basically lower the value of the yuan. And that, you know, those $10,000 worth of, of bonds that you held in yuan, you know, suddenly drop to $9,000 and, you know, you're, you're a little, little peeved and you're not getting paid, you're getting paid less money as well, right? You have a, you have a $9,000 uh, piece of paper that was paying uh, a thousand, you know, yuan a year or something like that. And now it's only paying, uh, you know, nine 900 yuan you know because i like non, nice round numbers so the lack of transparency from from china is is one of the issues um and i think you know blending them into the global market thinking about ways to work with china to maybe issue u.s based debt um u.s dollar based debt would be another kind of solution but uh, one of the things that is interesting for me is that we always approach it from you know the supply side and we're not thinking about mom and pop investors. And then as we look at our portfolios, what are we doing to help out investors that need your current income and reduce their risk? And, you know, there, there are certain things that we do in, in the portfolio, diversification, you know, those sorts of things. But we also have other ways of, of hedging the risk as well. Well, we've, we have this sort of conundrum as well right now that those safe haven assets are paying such low rates of return. And if we do see inflation tick up, I I think that's going to be a real challenge for everybody. And that's, those are things that we've discussed in our office too, saying what happens if we do see inflation, what sort of impact will that have on portfolios? Where should the assets be constituted? Because you could be in a situation where bonds are paying low interest rates, inflation is essentially overwhelming that. And then you're reliant on only your stocks to provide your rate of return, your real rate of return. Because remember, that's just your rate of return basically, or your interest rate minus the uh, inflation rate. And if you end up having a negative real rate of return in a bunch of your assets, then you have to have some other portion of your portfolio do the heavy lifting for you. And so, you know, in there, you, you hope, you're hoping that hope isn't part of your financial strategy. Uh, and so we try to eliminate that as much as possible. And in some cases, it's hard to obtain the rate of return that you want to have if we are in an, an odd environment such as that. And that's yeah. very possible. Yeah. And then the other thing that you look at, too, is if you go out on the yield curve to get yourself, you know, you go out on the yield curve means instead of buying, buying maybe a, a seven year bond, we buy a 20 year bond um, to get more interest rate and pr protect against that uh, inflation hedge. You end up in the situation where if interest rates rise, those bonds that you bought 
go down in value because it's always, you know, accommodating for current interest rates. So that ends up creating a, another issue. So from a safe perspective, you know, that is, 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 you know, something that's problematic overall for the markets. And so, you know, we, we look in the portfolio itself to, you know, when we can, you know, take money out of, out of stocks for those clients who maybe need more current income, look to shift from growth to, to dividend. And, you know, one of the other longer term things we can talk about is, is, you know, value is now, you know, not a great place to be. Right. And so you could theoretically buy, buy value cheaper now. So there, it, 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 it's a, an interesting environment, and it's something we talk about with our clients. And, you know, I think one of the things of, that, you know, I like about this sort of perspective of someone like Fari is it gets us to think about this from a, a different viewpoint instead of, you know, when we hear the national debt, we always just think, oh, we're just pumping this money out. Oh, we owe so much money to China. Oh, we're, you know. But in fact, it may be that globally everybody else isn't picking up the slack and, and, you know, putting out safe havens and guaranteeing their bonds in the, in the way that we need. That's awesome. Well, well, Mr. Farhi's work will be uh, cited for years to come and, uh, you know, obviously taken from us too soon at the age of 41, but uh, I'm glad we were able to dedicate some time to, to him and some of his theories as well. And his, his, uh, his, his uh, uh, work will last longer than our previous podcast that we're not airing. That's very true. Thank you, Mr. Fahri, for your contribution. <laughs> this is our attempt at a short, plain English disclosure. Advisory services are offered yeah. through Walker Kahn and Financial Advisors, a registered investment advisor regulated by the Securities and Exchange Commission. All matters to be discussed during the show are for informational purposes only. Look, we weren't attorneys. We aren't tax accountants. Um, if you want to rely on that sort of advice, go to your CPA, go to your estate planning attorney, uh, go to that trusted investment professional. If you're looking at global financial advice, sit down, meet with an advisor, consider your whole financial situation, and then decide whether or not that fits your own situation. We all know that past performance is not indicative of future results. We know that any sort of performance that we talk about, any sort of charts, graphs, anything else that we bring up, should not be relied on to be, first of all, uh, reliable because there could be some error in it and then also applicable to your own personal situation. So please take a step back before you listen to something and act on it and consider your own personal situation and meet with a professional where applicable. Uh, review your own investor objectives, risk tolerance, your time horizon, and we all know that all investing involves risk and possible loss of capital. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Give Me Some Truth, and we hope that you can join us on a future episode.